Matt Walter, who is executive director of the International Muslim Outreach, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Kate. Now, it's International Muslim Outreach, but it used to be Tampa, so uh, tell us about the new name. Well, thank you. Uh, about uh, three months ago, our, our leadership team gathered and noticed that we were, our volunteers actually weren't just in the Tampa area, although most of them are, but we're in six different countries around the world now wow. uh, and in nine different states. And so we just, through prayer and through seeking the Lord, we decided that uh, this was the direction God was calling us to go, that we needed to change our name to reflect what God is actually doing. So praise the Lord. Amen. Now, Matt, I would you mind talking a little bit about yourself? Because I think uh, it adds credibility to everything you say. This is not something you've just read in a book. This is something you've lived. Thank you. Yes, I will. Um, my background includes 15 years in the Middle East, five in the country of Iran when I was a kid. <clears throat> and then uh, at the age of 18, I went to Jordan and studied Arabic at a missionary language school. I then uh, majored in Near Eastern Languages and Literatures at Yale University, joined the Marine Corps, was an intelligence officer, was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. And my wife and I were missionaries in Jordan, both in 1993, then 1999 to 2007. I ran a language school that trained missionaries in the Arabic language. So I have decades of experience uh, working with Muslims and sharing Christ with them. And that's where my heart is. And that's that's beautiful. And now, uh, not all of us, of course, can speak Arabic. Uh, to uh, communicate with people, are there key words we should and should not use as Christians talking to Muslims? Well, um, there's certainly any any words of respect and kindness and love uh, and welcome are words we should use, of course. Hmm. But I would say I w- I don't think Christians need to worry about words that shouldn't be used. It's more the heart behind it. Uh, As we show the love of Christ to Muslims, uh, they can see it and they can feel it, and it speaks. uh, It speaks louder than any words that come out of our mouths. So I think we can be confident as, as we speak from the love of Christ that the right words will come. Okay, so over the weekend, we all have uh, been witness to this horror that's going on in Israel right now. In light of those events, um, how does this ministry continue? Thank you for asking that question. Uh, We had a, a staff meeting this week, and we were thinking about this, and we realized you know, if we as, a, as an organization start to give our opinion on what governments should be doing, we'll be straying from our mission because uh, everybody's got different opinions and, and they feel strongly about them. Uh, there, pro- there is a right answer out there, I'm sure, but uh, we weren't wise enough to formulate what that should be. But what we did realize was uh, our mission uh, is more important than ever, and that is that lost people need the gospel. The answer to, to the problems of the world are the gospel. It's what Christ did on the cross. And um, as we're faithful as Christians in sharing that, we'll be doing as much for the peace and stability of the world as anyone can do. So um, I just would encourage our listeners, you know, as Christians, we pray for the government because they have the power of the sword. We know that from Romans 13. They, they are God's agent delegated to exercise uh, the power of the sword to restrain the evildoer. That's what we're told. So we mm-hmm. need to pray for them, that evil will be restrained. But at the same time, we have another mission, and that's the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all the nations. 
and we continue that no matter what is going on in the world. We have another agenda, uh, a bright future, and God has called us to a very high calling. You know, sometimes I think there's something wrong with me because all I think, <laughs> all I think is, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. All we need to do is point people to Jesus. We don't really need to be, you know, we. Do, you have a great background to do this, but really all we have to do is love people and point them to Jesus. Is that truly naive in this situation? I don't think it's naive. I think in the United States, we, as Christians, wear two hats. One hat is we're citizens, so we have to vote and we have to think about political things and, and make political decisions. And so, when we wear that hat, we need to be wise. We need to choose governments that will exercise the power of the sword for the righteousness of God. So we do need to think about those things. We do need to discuss them, and we do need to come to the right conclusions. But at the same time, we wear the hat of Christians, an even higher calling, which is to expand uh, the, the knowledge of the glory of God across to all the nations of the world. And the amazing thing is that God has in our age, brought all of the nations to us. In Tampa, there are tens of thousands of Muslim people, people from uh, nations that have been practically unreached by the gospel, and yet here they are in our neighborhoods and our schools. They are our doctors. They're friends of our children, and we can share the good news of Christ with them in relative freedom. This is an amazing opportunity. All of us should be aware of this. All of us should be praying and alert to these opportunities. Amen. And as you said, a lot of people, and we find it hard to believe, I think, as Americans, that they never heard of Jesus, they don't know anything about Jesus, and yet he comes to them in dreams. It's true. It's true. We've seen that in the Tampa Bay area. I had a friend who was from Iraq, and he accepted Christ, and then he was nervous about getting baptized because it was so public and it was so um, risky for him. Um, but then he had a dream of angels dipping him in, in milk. And uh, in the dream, he felt so free and so uh, like, like his life had been started over again. And it was such a good feeling. He told me the next day, I'm ready to get baptized. They, they hear through dreams all the time, and it's wonderful to see what God does. Bradley from Tampa, the question is uh, about the Islamic doctrine allowing to befriend, to lie, to befriend people. To then basically assert control where that could uh, lead to other things in the future. I think he was looking maybe for some clarification on that yeah. particular okay. uh, doctrine within Islam. All right. Can right. You... I, I, what I think he's referring to, and thank you, Bradley, for that question, and it's an important one, uh, is uh, Islam teaches the doctrine of taqwa, which is it translated in English as piety. And uh, that is a, a phrase referring to their policy, that it is okay to dissemble or to misrepresent what actually might be true uh, in order to advance Islam. And, um, you know, what I want to, I want to back up for a second and mm -hmm. say this, we should not be surprised that any ideology that is not based on Christ and on God's word is uh, morally repugnant. Mm -hmm. We should, we should expect that. But we should also separate the ideology from God's love for the people. These are people who are trapped in a system, a cult, that has uh, basically that has control over their lives, and that should arouse our compassion on them.
At the same time, yes, we recognize that the ideology itself is destructive, and we see the fruit of that around us, but we have compassion on the people. And um, when we realize this, it gives us great freedom. We're free to love the people, and we know that in the Lord, uh, he can deal with the ideology and with our spiritual enemy. So um, that's why I tell our, our, our volunteers and ambassadors, the first step is always prayer. We need to be faithful in prayer for our Muslim friends and neighbors, that, that they will be blessed, that God will open their eyes, and that they'll be freed from, the, um, mis- from this mistaken ideology that Satan has trapped them in. Okay. All right. I hope that was good for you, Bradley. Uh, yeah, that did, you know, and I think that would be hard. What is that like face-to-face when somebody would say something to you that is not true but is yeah. okay with them? Well, I know it can be it can be very frustrating. <laughs> so, uh, and and I think this is why in our training we tell people when politics comes up, just don't comment on it. Um, in fact, often uh, a person will uh, bring up something political, make a statement that that uh, we find outrageous or that we differ with, and the temptation is to jump in and start arguing. And this is simply a ploy by the enemy to get you away from sharing the love of Christ and the gospel. So an answer I have found useful is to answer when they do bring up something is uh, that, that I don't disagree with, to say, listen, uh, the, these problems that you're pointing to around the world, they, they all have one source, and the source is the problem of the human heart. The human heart is broken. That's why we're seeing the world is broken. The reason it's broken is because of sin. But God has provided an answer to sin. And from there, you can explain the answer. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again in order to pay the price for our sins. So we don't have to be afraid of death and of judgment. We can have our sins forgiven. That is such good news for Muslims who believe that uh, on the day of judgment, their good deeds will be weighed against their bad deeds. And however those weigh will dis- determine whether they go to hell or to heaven. They have no security at all. And we've been given this amazing gift of security through Christ. So we can turn a political discussion to a discussion of the gospel. Right now, Randy in Cape Coral. Good morning, Randy. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, good. Do you have a question for Matt? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Matt, thank you for what you've been doing. Uh, my question would be, in the Quran, in Surah 19, it explicitly uh, declares that Jesus Christ uh, was born of a virgin. Um, what is What are the Muslims' cleric interpretation of that as it relates to Allah's purpose? in having a, a human being born of a virgin, uh, having a virgin birth, number one. The other thing would be, you know, the Quran was written by, or in fact, the Bible was written by over 35 different people over a period of time, which means that there were witnesses to it. Uh, the Quran was revealed to one person, no witnesses. In any system of jurisprudence, uh, one would require at least uh, two witnesses to validate uh, a legal document. Why isn't this um, picked up by the Islamic cleric? I'll hang up and take your answer over here. Okay, thanks, Randy. 
Randy, that's a great question. I love it. You've been studying, and that's super. <laughs> uh, you're exactly right. They believe in the virgin birth, to, to handle your first question. Uh, but they don't really understand the implications of that, because what they deny is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And that's the whole point of the virgin birth. The angel announced to Gabriel, um, where we read in Luke, that the, the uh, Holy Spirit will overshadow uh, you. The, the angel Gabriel announces that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And so the, the, the uh, baby to be born will be called the Son of God. And they deny that he's God's son. And the question they ask is, how can he be God's son if God has no consort or no uh, female companion uh, or wife, uh, as it were? What they don't understand is that God, we, we serve a God so powerful and so almighty that he is able to arrange a son without doing anything unworthy. And um, they'll challenge you and say, where did Jesus ever say, I am God? And the answer to that, of course, is in John 8, 58, where he says, before Abraham was, I am. And you can explain how that connects back to Exodus three fourteen and so forth. I don't want to go into too much detail, but the point is they don't understand the implications of the virgin birth. You're exactly right. But they do believe in it. And they think that Jesus was a special prophet, one who not only was distinguished by his virgin birth, but could do miracles. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He raised the dead. They know all of that is true. They also recognize that he's one prophet that they know for certain never sinned. So he's very special in their mind, and they're listening to us when we talk about him and say, hey, there's more to him than you know about. He is, and we can explain to them, he is actually God in the flesh who died for our sins and rose again. The great sacrifice that was sufficient to pay for the sins of the whole world. So that's the first question. And your second question now, uh, I forgot because it's 4 a.m. here in Phoenix and Randy? I'm half asleep. You still there, Randy? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, what was oh, no, the no. second now question? I, now, I, now I remember it. Now okay. I remember it. Okay. <laughs> so your second question was an excellent point. There were witnesses to all of the accounts in the Bible, especially to the, the center of the biblical message, which is the Christ event, his death and resurrection. There are witnesses, in fact, the Bible says there are 500 witnesses to his resurrection. The, the books of the Bible were written by people who themselves were either eyewitnesses or got their accounts from eyewitnesses. So the Bible itself is an example of tremendous historical evidentiary uh, weight. The Quran is the exact opposite. It is the words that came through one man and no other witnesses witnessed the process by which these words came to him. The, he claimed that the angel Gabriel at age 40, he claimed that the angel, angel Gabriel started to uh, give him uh, words to recite that would be a scripture to replace the Bible that they say had been corrupted. Uh, and was no longer teaching the Muslim religion, which it originally taught. So he would get these special revelations and then pass them on, but no one, there were no witnesses to that. You're exactly right, and that is a point you can gently bring up to your Muslim friend, but I would do it in the context of when you're relaxed, when you're together, perhaps alone, you've, there's a great amount of trust between you because they know you love them, and you're gently challenging 
this dependence on one man's word for your whole life and your eternal future? It's a great point, and I love it. Amen. Thanks, Randy. Great questions. And, you know, one other thing that I had heard uh, said was, how can Jesus be God? God can't die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, another challenge you'll yeah. hear. And that, that's a great, uh, a great opportunity to explain that Jesus had two natures. He, he took on human nature, and he had his divine nature. And his human nature include a body that was capable of dying um, and, or experiencing death, and his body experienced death. Um, so once you explain that to your Muslim friend, that usually satisfies them. You can also point out to them that, you know, they, they object, well, how could God die? God can't cease to exist. Well, even Muslims know that death doesn't cause a person to cease to exist because their soul continues even though their body has ceased. They, they recognize that. So they know that, that, that death does not actually uh, remove a person from existence. It simply changes that existence. Okay. Jesus experienced death like that. Wow. Sorry, we're getting into some deep theology no, early in the morning. <laughs> no, well, and it's super early for you. We so appreciate it. We're going to try to fit one more question in here. Craig in North Fort Myers. Craig, you have a question for Matt? Hey. Hello, Matt. Good morning. Uh, I would like to ask you if it's all right to witness two-on-one to a Muslim or more than one person witnessing to a Muslim, if that's comfortable for them, if that helps you out witnessing to them, does that improve your chances of winning them over? Yeah, thank you for that question. I love the way uh, people are thinking about this and trying and really seeking the best way to share with their Muslim friends. Um, first of all, you're going to find that it is best to share Christ with, well, we should be ready to share Christ with Muslims anytime, boldly and lovingly. And you can do that when they're in groups or when they're one on one. What you'll find, however, is that your Muslim friend will respond with more honest questions when they are one-on-one with you. Uh, so, so it's a private time with them because then they don't feel like they're being watched and evaluated by other Muslims. And uh, that's, that's a great opportunity. As far as how many Christians you should have with you, it is always nice to have a dear brother or sister along with you because while one person is speaking, the other can be praying, and that's powerful. Another thing that's powerful about that is that when a Muslim hears from more than one person the same message, it gives that message more weight to them. You know, they're listening to us. We're telling them about Christ. We're actually, you know, when we tell them about Christ, we're actually inviting them to have their whole life turned upside down. So it's a big deal. They're standing to lose everything that they have. And in the hadith, uh, the traditions of the, uh, of the Islamic teaching, uh, it says if a Muslim leaves the religion, they are to be killed. So they, they face possibly paying the highest price of all. So they're listening very carefully, but it's a big deal. So when more than one person uh, affirms the same message, it's more comforting to them and it has more credibility. So it actually is a good idea to have other people with you, again, you're not ganging up on them. You're being gentle and respectful, but you are working in unison and in prayer. 
Amen. Thanks, Craig. That was a great question, too. We're going to have to have you back more often to talk uh, because everybody, we all have questions. We're talking with Matt Walter, Executive Director of International Muslim Outreach. And to find out more, we you made that textable, right, Mark? Yes. If you'd like to know more of what's going on with uh, International Muslim Outreach, just go ahead and text the word Muslim to 888-777-6810 uh, to hear more about this uh, Tampa-based ministry that... Uh, has uh, quite a reach across the entire world. Yes. And so, Matt, you're going to come back to Tampa, right? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm, I'm headed back. That's my next home time. for sure. <laughs> okay. Next time we have you on, you'll be in Eastern time, and it won't be oh, quite good. so hard. But we do appreciate you very much <laughs> and all you do. Thank you, Kate. This okay. has been a joy.